It's ball talk. It's ball talk, baby. 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 Hello and welcome to the Ball Talk podcast. It is currently Monday, January 25th at 12.30 p.m. I'm your host, John Sock, and as always, I'm joined by my main man, Chaz Jurgens. Chaz, how are you doing today? You know who it is. My bad to all the, the guys who wanted to get the Monday listen in. I'm sorry. I had to got carried away with my football at school work yesterday. We couldn't record last night, but we're getting it to you here live so we can get it still out Monday, Tuesday morning. So It's all his fault. Blame yeah. Chaz. Don't blame me at all. <laughs> I'm yeah. kidding. All right. John was on top of it, ready to go. It was... Uh, I, hey, hey, it gave me more time to add more to this episode. And I'm happy because I think that this episode's already going to be short. Um, but I like it. We got some more going on now. And actually, yeah. I think it played into a better quality episode. Yeah. So for today's episode, we're going to be talking about the Olympic cancellation rumor and then the holes on some NBA teams like the Nets, the T-Wolves, and the New Orleans Pelicans. And then we're going to talk about some teams that patched their holes, the Cavs and the Raptors. Let's get mm-hmm. it started. So... We always got to talk about COVID. Yeah. Always. Every week. So this is how we're talking about COVID this week. There's, a currently going, there's currently a rumor going around that Japan is considering canceling the Olympic Games. Japan has denied it for what it's worth. But let's talk about it. Because there's a way to make it – because it's, it's going to get canceled for COVID. Mm-hmm. And the reason the NBA had to start the season at the exact time that it did was because of the Olympics. The NBA did not want to compete with the Olympics for ratings. If there are no Olympics, then the NBA can extend the second half of the season so that there's less back-to-backs, more breaks, or so that they can actually get 72 games in. Yeah. Because that is starting to look more and more impossible. Mm -hmm. We had a ridiculous amount of games be postponed because of the pandemic. The Grizzlies have already had to take four games off straight because – of contact tracing and stuff like that. So many teams have missed games. I I don't know if the NBA thinks that – I don't know when the NBA thinks they'll be putting these games in. Like, I'm thinking they might do it for the two-week All-Star break, but if it's not that, then I don't know what their plan is. I don't know if they're planning on having some teams play 66. I don't like – like, if they – you know, if the Grizzlies show up and they're, like, two games out, then, okay, you'll have to play the Grizzlies games. But if the Grizzlies are, like, 10 games out Mm – Maybe you don't play their game. I don't know. I mean, I think that the, the Grizzlies will definitely be in it. So, mm-hmm. whatever. So many teams have missed games. I, I think they should do it during the two-week All-Star break. Maybe rent out Disney for those mm-hmm. two weeks. Test everyone in the morning. Do practice at their own places. Everyone flies in. Get everyone into the facility. Wait or, or, or wait for the results and then fly. Whatever you want. Just keep everyone in lockdown lockdown in the facilities, then get everyone on the plane, get them to Disney. First game, maybe that night, maybe the next night. I don't know how quickly they'd have to play the games in this little bubble, this mini bubble. Yeah. Play all the missing games, maybe get a few games in of all the teams that are still there. Um, mm-hmm. Because, like, if not, like, what is the plan? Like, I don't know if there's they, – they have any plan at all. 
I mean, I know from the beginning of the season, Adam Silver had been saying that they do intend to use the two-week break period to try to replay games that had been postponed. That was the whole goal originally, was that we're going to have this break, we're not going to have an all-star game, and if we have games that we need to replay, we're going to play them. But I think going into the season, the NBA was hoping a lot more on the if aspect of games versus the guaranteed fact that like three, four teams every night aren't able to play because of COVID, like... There's been a game canceled, I think, every single night for the past two weeks maybe now with just different teams here and there postponed. So they're going to try to get some games back during that two-week period. I think the bubble idea for the two weeks is very interesting. If you can get teams that have missed games, like end their, end their first half of the season a couple days before the two-week break, try to get them all tested and isolated in their own home cities for those two, three days and fly them to Disney immediately, you can have probably – 10 full days where you can get a game in on every other day. You could try to catch up like that, but I do agree. And as far as the Olympics are concerned, personally, I would love to see the Olympics. Of course, I think it's maybe the most exciting competition in the world. And all these people that work their entire lives to make the Olympics, to have it postponed even one year for a lot of people, that's tough because there's such a short window where you're able to make an Olympic team. It's so competitive, but for the NBA, look no further than their scheduling. The last game scheduled for the NBA season, game seven of the NBA finals this year, is supposed to be the day before the Tokyo Olympics start, is how they plan their season. And that's the whole idea behind the NBA starting, like you said, was to get in as many games as possible on the playoffs before the Olympics. So if they were to postpone it even longer or they were to cancel the Olympics altogether this year, then it would allow the NBA a lot more leeway in the second half of the season to try to get teams to just, you know what, you've had a positive case. Let's just isolate the whole team seven days, shut it down, shut the facility down, wait till everyone's negative and then come back and play these games because they'll have nothing stopping them and they can wait and try to get a semblance of a regular off season and start around next season around a regular time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, also you, you touched on it. I don't actually have any notes written for it, mm-hmm. but I, as a basketball fan. Yeah. As an NBA fan, sorry. As an mm-hmm. NBA fan, uh, postponing the Olympics would be really great for my sport. Mm-hmm. Like, in a selfish way, it would be really good. But in the greater sense, like, most gymnasts yeah, get one Olympic. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Some have bad birthdays and get none. Some have bad, good birthdays and get two. Yeah. Some, some are very unlike. They get no Olympics. They don't, they don't, you know, like... I should know. I don't think any of them get zero. I think they all get one. I did the math one year. Some are lucky and get two. I don't think any get zero. If this mm-hmm. gets canceled, you're looking at an entire generation of gymnasts that get zero. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember her name. The uh, the one who won all the gold medals last year Simone is supposed Biles. to be. Thank you. She's supposed to be able to compete again. She was lucky. She's a two Olympic. This it would be incredible mm. for her to go and get all the golds again and just. I, I think it would be one of the all-time Olympic moments, honestly, if she were. And we're going to miss that if this gets canceled. Because mm-hmm. there's no way she's going to be able to do it at, what, she'll be 24, 22, 20? Yeah. Like, she's not going to be able to keep up with the, the young gymnasts. Your body just isn't as malleable when you get that old. And mm-hmm. it just there's such a short window for, especially gymnastics is the one I had a little bit written about as well. But even other, any other quick agility sports, anything that requires a heavy amount of just your body smacking into the ground, trampolining, figure skating, stuff like that. It's just, you really only get one, maybe two shots until there's just 
so many people out there that are doing the same thing as you that just have so many better advantages than you do at the age of 25 to be a, gym, a gymnast would be virtually impossible. And be for what LeBron James type stuff. For real, for what I can say is that the Rio 2016 Olympics had the biggest Olympic village ever for all the athletes and trainers and officials. And it was 17,950 people. And meanwhile, in two weeks, there's 22,000 people going to Tampa Bay to watch the Super Bowl. So I think Japan could realistically, logistically do it and build a giant Olympic bubble but it's going to impact them incredibly fi like financially. The Olympics are, I think they reportedly spent over $25 billion on this Olympics so far. Oh, yeah. And zero tourism and tickets out of that would be a huge loss for Japan, but it would be very exciting for me to watch the Olympics <laughs> where we just be the Olympians going to watch other sports and watch their fellow country athletes compete. It would be very... How funny would it be? Okay, how funny would it uh how funny would it be to watch LeBron James watch the gymnastics? Because you know he's going to be freaking out on the sideline when, when, exactly. uh, when she wins gold. He's going to be losing his mind. I, I love watching LeBron James, the fan, mm -hmm. so much. So, And I think a lot of these guys would be like that. Uh, men and women, likewise, like you just have so much respect for the people that have put their lives and their work into becoming an Olympic athlete that you go out there and you show love for everyone who's competing at the highest level. So to have other athletes be the only ones there, I think it could create a really cool atmosphere, but it would be a dev it would be huge for the Japanese economy to not have to be able to bring in anybody for the Olympics except the athletes. Yeah. I mean, the worst would be because like oftentimes these Olympic villages wind up being completely abandoned or mm -hmm. they have to be converted to condos or something afterwards. So that yeah. what Japan's plan would be, would be to push until I think it's 2032 is the next open Olympics. Mm -hmm. to keep all that real that that space open for 12 years to keep it maintained for 12 years the costs are going to get astronomical yeah it, it might be cheaper just to buy all the vaccines and vaccinate <laughs> all the all the athletes it might be easier just be like, all right get get my get your rosters ready two months before we're vaccinating everyone before they get here we are not missing anything yeah no it would be it would be a credible undertaking for the japanese to try to postpone this olympics until after I was looking it up too, and it's actually Los Angeles, I'm pretty sure, is the host in 2028. So it would be after that one in 2032. Yeah, it would be crazy to keep an Olympic village around for 11 years just to use it again. It would be a, a never before seen, but who knows? It's a new world now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's a new world every day, but like, keep it going, the basketball. Yeah, back to it. No more COVID, no more yeah. Olympics. Mm hmm. Colin Sexton, man. Colin Sexton showed all the issues with the Brooklyn Nets in one basketball game. He highlighted every single issue, everything. Look, first we're going to talk Brooklyn, and then we'll do, do Colin Sexton and the Cavaliers. Mm -hmm. So for Brooklyn, they played two games against the Cavs, and they lost both. The first game featured the Brooklyn Big Three, and it didn't feature Darius Garland. So this was full-strength Nets against half of Sexland. In that game, the Nets allowed 147 points in double OT. Their big three, Katie Harden and Kyrie, combined to play 149 minutes. Their bench combined to put up 10 points on four of 24 shooting. Mm -hmm. These three stats are a microcosm of all the issues that the Brooklyn Nets are facing this year. In one game, Colin Sexton highlighted every issue that the Brooklyn Nets are facing. Lack of defense, 
over-reliance on stars, and lack of bench scoring. How are you playing KD, Harden, and Kyrie almost 50 minutes apiece, and you don't win? When I say almost 50 minutes, I think they literally averaged 49.4 between all three of them. They all played 50 or more except for Kyrie, who played 48. Let me... I mean, how are you playing KD, Harden, and Kyrie almost 50 apiece and you lose to Chetty Osman and Larry Nance? It makes no sense. It showed the glass cannon of the Brooklyn Nets. Their entire big three can go off. DeAndre Jordan had a good game. Joe Har- Jeff Green had a good game. Joe Harris had a good game. They mm-hmm. all had good games. And they still lost because their defense is just that bad. I mean, look, for the Brooklyn Nets, for what it's worth, this was the first game the big three ever played together. And we never thought it was going to click right away. This Cavaliers team, we'll talk about them a little bit later, so I don't want to get too into it, but Colin Sexton is a dog. So anyone like that against a new team trying to figure it out, he's going to try to do his utmost to compete against the very best every night. Colin Sexton is what Patrick Beverly wishes he was. <laughs> oh, I mean, Colin Sexton is what 99% of guards in the world wish they were. Like, I wish I was Colin Sexton. <laughs> I wish I was Colin Sexton. Like, <laughs> but the Nets did get exposed, and for what it's worth, there were rumors that came up after that game, and I'm surprised we didn't say it earlier because he fits the, their money situation so easily, and it's JaVale McGee to the Nets. It's a That's pre- not going to do anything. Keep going. I think JaVale McGee, McGee brings in some championship DNA. He's got, what, two, three rings now? Two with the Warriors, one with the Lakers. He brings rim protection. He can run the floor. He's a lob threat, and he brings vertical spacing to their team defensively. Look. So he's, so he's DeAndre Jordan, but, like, worse. Oh, wait, sorry. He's also the handle god. He's better than DeAndre Jordan at this point in their careers, honestly. For what, he, for what he brings to the floor, he can jump higher. He can run faster. He can block shots better. Like, I don't know. I, I'd still take DJ at this point. I mean, I watched JaVale McGee in the playoffs mm-hmm. last year. I, I'd still take DeAndre Jordan, but it is a discussion. I will give you that. For, for 5.7 million, he fits inside their trade exception. He would fit a disabled player exception for Dinwiddie. It seems like a no-brainer addition to me for them to try to go after him. They have a few seconds this year they could try to flip. I mean, maybe if they have to make money work, I don't know what the Cavs want. Tyler Johnson's a backup guard. They don't really have that, but I don't know if he's really an NBA player. He seems to be in every single professional sport, a guy named Tyler Johnson. So you better <laughs> off going to try to find one in somewhere else. But I think the Nets obviously are going to have some problems. And it, for me, it's going to come on the offensive side of the ball. They're going to learn to work better and score more efficiently together. And defensively, it's just going to take time, man. Every team takes a little while for them to get set. They're going to have to learn to play to, with one another, and they're not going to be a good defensive team. That's not what this team is built to do. They're built to score. And I think they're going to do that very well and get better at it. I know you have some ideas on how they can improve or change their offense, so I'll, I'll let you get into that first because I got something else I want to say on that too. Look, we, we already talked about who I think they need to sign or whatever. So mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about that. Now, look, this, this is going to sound crazy, so hold on to your hats right here. Barring a trade or signing to address the stunning weaknesses of this roster, the Brooklyn Nets need to play through Kyrie Irving. 
The Brooklyn Nets need to play through Kyrie Irving. There, I said it again. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Why, John? Katie and Harden are better players. I like everything. Why play through the worst guy? Because it's the only way this is going to work, man. Mm-hmm. If Kyrie is sacrificing, it brings the least gains. People talk about how someone someone on this team has to give up. They have to focus on, on, on defense. They have to play more off ball. They have to do other stuff. Someone has to sacrifice. In the modern era, how many championships have been won by stellar defense from your point guard? Uh, maybe, maybe one, maybe the Raptors in 2019. I, I don't think so. Yeah. I, 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 we're looking at zero, maybe one. Does Mario Chalmers count as a stellar defensive guard? Uh, Shout out to, <laughs> to the best player in Alaska history, Mario Chalmers. But look, how many have been won on the backs of an elite hybrid post doing elite hybrid post things, a big switchy guy on the defensive end, switching everything? Literally every single championship in the modern era. Every single one. Like, every single one. Mm. A deep dive on that is coming later this week. Look, James Harden played great defense on Jerry Allen towards in the fourth quarter even. In the fourth mm-hmm. quarter in OT, he was playing good defense on Jared Allen, who is about the size of every center you will face in the Eastern Conference playoffs, except for Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. KD is seven feet tall and can guard anyone on the floor. On top of that, both of those two guys are elite three-point shooters, whereas Kyrie is just very good. How about we have KD and Harden do more off-ball stuff. Let's have KD do more pick-and-rolls with Kyrie, where KD is probably the most unguardable guy in a pick-and-roll in the NBA right now. Let's, let's take advantage of some mismatches on KD. Let's have Kyrie create more and get open looks for those two so that they can focus on playing defense and making sure that this isn't the worst defense of any team in the playoffs. If, if the Sacramento Kings didn't exist, it might be the worst defense in the league. Kyrie sacrificing for the other two would make him basically an average point guard. If you don't have Kyrie with the ball in his hands, doing crazy dribble moves, getting to the rim, setting other guys up, he's just an average point guard. He's not a stellar defender. He's not a stellar off-ball player. He's not a stellar shooter. He, 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 it would be taking Kyrie Irving and making him average. But Harden and KD mm-hmm. both have shown that they can defend. I know there's all the Harden defending memes. I watched him do work on Jared Allen. You watched him do work on Jared Allen. He's improved a lot since his early Houston days when he just liked to stand there and get blown by. Yeah, and it's because people finally realized, hey, wait, he's the biggest guy on the court. Why don't we have him guard bigs? And guess what? He does a great job at it. Mm-hmm. These two guys, they both are great defenders. They're both great Great shooters, prolific, some of the best of all time. KD has shown he can play off ball. I don't think it's impossible for Harden to play off ball. Uh, uh, How do we get them focusing on other things? Because they'll still be absolutely elite at that stuff. Mm -hmm. Whereas for Kyrie, if he's focusing on other things, you're taking an elite player and you're not playing him at an elite level. For sure. I 100% agree that Kyrie needs to be the main offensive initiator for this team. 
And I think it goes no farther than just looking at what Golden State did with Stephen KD. Like that pick and roll was the most unguardable thing in the NBA for years and years. Because if Kyrie sets the screen for KD or if KD sets the screen for Kyrie, either way, you pretty much need to double off of both of those. Because if you let K- Kyrie mismatch against the big, I'll like that one-on-one any day of the week. You let KD mismatch against the little, I like that any day of the week. And you set a flare screen off of that. So whichever one sets the screen from the low curls up to the top and gets another pick. Like you're looking at one of them is getting a wide open look or a mismatch. And if they're both doubled, guess what? You got James Harden wide open on the weak side to make something happen against the overload. Like he's going to have a plethora of options to just catch an attack, catch and shoot, catch and isolate, swing the ball. This team has a lot of potential, I think, just, with Kyrie with the ball in his hands and creating for everyone else because that's what he does best on the floor is create and make shots and make plays for his team. So letting him not only just dominate the ball because that's not necessarily what he needs to do to lead this offense, but just be more involved and bringing his guy to switch everything. We see with Golden State, Steph gets called into every isolation defensively. They bring him into every pick and roll to try to get him to switch onto whoever has the ball because he's so exploitable. And Kyrie can do the same thing. Whoever's guarding him, bring him to KD. See what Kevin can do to him. Bring him to James. See what James can do to him. Because if you let guys start getting into foul trouble, you start having to double these guys all over the floor, that's when this team becomes so deadly is because they have mismatches every single time you try to bring up a defensive scheme, they can break it because they have guys that are just so good at that. So they have really – Steve Nash needs to give a call to Steve Kerr down in the Bay because – the, the, the Steves need to get to talking to learn how to do something with this team. They can't they're, just, they've already worked together before. <laughs> Mike D'Antoni should be able to figure it out. I think this team offensively has a lot of room to improve still is the scariest part about it is that no matter what, their defense is going to be bad. It's I, just going to happen. But I've got to say, I, I really think that if KD and Harden try hard on the defensive end, mm-hmm. focus more on the defensive end, the team employs a lot of the switching using KD as a Draymond Green hybrid post switchy guy. Mm-hmm. I think the defense will be good enough for them to win a championship. I think it'll hurt the offense, of course, not having two of the best isolation players, you know, isolate mm-hmm. as often. But I think that it'll help the defense enough that they could be at a championship level, that they can guard anyone at a championship level. Having KD at the five is unguardable in offense, even if he's mostly doing stuff off ball, especially if he's doing stuff off ball. Mm-hmm. Like what, what are most centers going to be doing? Like how is Brooke Lopez supposed to figure that out? Yeah, it's, come step up here, big fella. Come check him when he brings the ball up 35 feet from the basket. Come, come guard him all the way out here mm-hmm. while you have to stay at home with Kyrie, while you have to stay at home with James Harden and then let these guys attack and create. And you're going to be left with, holes all over defense and defense is just running all over the place and some teams can do that but it's really hard to keep up with that 48 minutes a game if guys are hitting their shots consistently mm-hmm. go get Rondé Hollis Jefferson Rondé and JaVale McGee and this team is a championship team 100% uh, I'm not high on the JaVale McGee I'm high on Rondé I'm putting that out there that's fair Look, <laughs> before we move on though mm-hmm. I, I really just want to highlight how bad this defense is yeah I don't want people to think that I'm overreacting when I say this defense is absolutely horrible. When I said earlier that they might have the worst defense in the league by any team not named the Sacramento Kings. So far, since the trade, the least points that the new look 
Nets have held a team to was 115 when they played the Orlando Magic, who are missing half of their roster, mm-hmm. including half of their starters. Mm-hmm. Everyone else has put up over 120 points on them. That's really, really, really bad. Yeah. Like, worst defense in the league, bad. Like, other people were talking about the Sacramento Kings doing this because their defense was so bad, we didn't really – we've been doing one basketball show a week, so I I didn't think we need to talk about that. But, like, this is really bad. (laughs) If they keep it up, that's going to be catastrophic in my opinion. No, I, I 100% agree. The defense has looked terrible, and like I can – nothing else really to say for the Nets, man. I think they're going to hopefully be able to put it together, but I agree. If the defense continues to – you can't give up 120 points every game and expect to go into the playoffs and just all of a sudden turn it on or be able to score 150 a night to win. Like, that's just not going to be a winning method to play off basketball. So, Brooklyn's going to find a way to get stops, hopefully, because if not, they're going to be going out a lot earlier than I think a lot of people are hoping for. If you could bet against, if you could bet against the team for championship odds, <laughs> I would bet against the Brooklyn Nets. But a lot of that has to do with them being a big market. Putting that out there, their, their odds are instantly inflated because they're a big market. If you are a gambling man, do not gamble on a Brooklyn Nets championship. The odds mm-hmm. are just not worth it unless you are so certain that they're going to win. Mm-hmm. I am not, and I implore you not to be. Yeah. Moving on, though, I promise we talk about the Cavs. So here we are talking about the Cavs. They are straight up good this year, and they are building something of value. Facts. Their record so far without Sexton or Garland is two and five. Mm -hmm. With either Sexton or Garland, their record is six and three. That's despite roster turmoil, COVID issues, a major trade that just started, everything going on with the team. They've had a top five defense despite all of that. So, Chaz, my question to you is, how legit are the Cleveland Cavaliers? I think the Cavs are honestly a really good team this year, and I love what this Cavs roster is doing. I could easily see them making a play in borderline eight seed, depending on where they're finishing right now. I think they got a lot of pieces that they could put together a decent run with if they could stay healthy, and they're – I could never bet against Sexland. It's too good of a too good of a team name, too good of a, a culture that they seem to be building in Cleveland to want to bet against them. They look like a Eastern Conference Memphis Grizzlies right now. I love that. Um, I love that. I, I, I also I buy them for the play-in. Mm-hmm. I'm a little wary of an at-large bid, especially after that blowout loss to the Celtics yesterday. That's fair. But look, if they stay hot. And stuff keeps not working for some of the teams below them, mainly the Heat, the Hawks, and the Raptors, who we'll be speaking about later. Stuff is working out for the Raptors. For now. Then there's a chance. But I just, I just don't, I don't see it as a, possi- as a strong possibility. Mm-hmm. Now look, though. Garland and Sexton are one of the most explosive guard duos in the NBA. It gives defense fits. And they give offense fits. They're both good defenders. Mm-hmm. Drummond and Allen is the best center rotation in the NBA. Yeah. Larry Nance and Isaac Okoro are great switchy defenders. Chetty Osmond is a great shooter and is doing a great job as a glue guy for this team. Mm-hmm. And Torian Prince seems to be rejuvenated with the change of scenery. 
Now, I'm not saying this team can win the finals, but they've clearly built something in Cleveland. And Kobe Altman has been doing a great job running the ship down there. Mm -hmm. Very excited to see this team continue to grow, especially Colin Sexton. With Sexton, he's, he, he's just clearly one of the best guards in the game in the yeah. game right now, especially the young guards in the NBA. I'd say he's third best, really nipping at the butt of second place, second best. My opinion, mm -hmm. best young guard in the league is John Morant. Uh, I don't know how much I need to defend that. He just looks stupidly good. He's led his team to the playoffs last year until Jaron Jackson Jr. went down. He, he looks amazing. Yeah, is, is Luka a guard? No. Okay, then yeah. No, I don't consider Luca a guard. I, I consider Luca a LeBron. He's a forward. Okay. Um, then I take Trey Young second mm -hmm. because I mean he's Trey Young. Come on, he's putting up some of the best offensive stats of any player in the league, even yeah. if he was in a little bit of a slump last week. Dude's dude's different. Besides Trey, can't bet against him yet. Mm -hmm. Like I, I I think Sexton's about to make an argument that he's as good as Trey Young. Maybe even all, as good as John Morant. Like, he's, he's up there. I think he needs to do a little bit more. But I, I definitely would take him over De'Aaron Fox. No offense, De'Aaron Fox. Mm -hmm. Like, his offensive bag is just so elite. He's shooting 52% from the field and 47% from three on almost five attempts a game. He's putting up just under 27 points a game. He's looked so much more comfortable as less of a mm -hmm. facilitator letting Garland run the facilitation stuff. Mm -hmm. Now, look, he needs to improve that, of course, if he wants to be a ring-winning player. But I think he's got – he's starting. He's getting better at it. He'll get it one day. The sky's the limit for Colin Sex, in my opinion. And I have loved watching him improve and improve every game. Yeah, I think Colin Sexton has all the tools to be one of the future great guards in this league, not just on both sides of the ball offensively and defensively, but what he brings off the court to the locker room, to the practice facility, to your weight room, to your huddles. This is a guy who you want to be your franchise player. Oh, yeah. And he works his butt off every single day, and it's just what it, it show, rubs off on the team. It's clearly infectious, and this roster has put together a decent run and a lot of competitiveness on the back of Colin Sexton becoming their franchise player. Right now I see the Cavs kind of in a similar spot to another one of the teams led by a great young guard, oh, Shane Alexander and the OKC oh. Thunder. <laughs> Just because I see them right now with a lot of assets and good young guys, but they don't really have a clear path to what they're doing this year or in the future. I think I, I'd argue I think both teams actually have a very clear path. And, and this is going to sound crazy. I'd argue – the Cavs' path through just internal growth mm -hmm. to being a championship team is more obvious than that of the Thunder. Even yeah, they, though I think Shai Gilgis-Alexander, uh, I forgot to mention him amongst the young guards. I'd put him mm -hmm. on equal footing with Colin Sexton. Yeah, he was I'd the put one the two of them right there on equal footing. But mm -hmm. I think that everything that's going on in Cleveland, I think that Larry Nance Jr. is a championship winning piece. I think that Isaac Okoro is a championship winning piece. I think mm -hmm. that Darius Garland is a great point guard. Mm -hmm. I think Jared Allen is a great center with the ability to grow into being a championship piece. I think Chetty Osmond is a great vet. I think that they have a very clear thing of, hey, if we just keep letting our guys get better, we might win a championship right now. No more trades, no more signings, no more draft picks, you know? For the Thunder, I think they clearly still need one more piece. Mm -hmm. But I don't think this. I don't think the Cavs need another piece. In my opinion, 
I, I think that they would like one. I think they would like one. I'm not telling you right now that I'd bet my house on it, but I'm saying there is a pathway in my mind where the Cavs just sit on their thumbs and wind up being a championship team. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely a little bit further ahead in the, the rebuild towards a championship than the Thunder are right now just because they have young guys who are stepping up. They just made that trade, Jared Allen. And I think right now they should really just focus on that Sexlet and a Coro trio. That's something to build together for the future. They look like a championship trio for years to come. And they're also only making a combined $20 million between the three of them next season. Mm-hmm. For the, the, they are going to have to pay Jared Allen next season, though. That's the thing. I, and I'm not 100% sure the Cavs should pay Jared Allen next season. Because I think that they could – Jared Allen is one of those guys that I love what he brings to your team – I think he does a lot for a team, that's, and he brings great value. But depending on the bag he's being required to get, Colin Sexton's an RFA the year after him, and then Garland's an RFA the year after that. They'll have bird rights on both of them, and the Kevin Love contract will be up the same year that Garland's a free agent. That 2023 offseason, they might have a legitimate shot to cho- go try to get a star. I know it's Cleveland. I know they're not a likely place to, to pull in hey, a market player, but if they you, got LeBron James, I, I, I will not rule out, I will not rule out anything. Exactly. And if they've got the pieces around them, it's you talk to a forward, you talk to a guy like, I don't want to say Kawhi because Kawhi is the most obvious dual forward in the league nowadays, but you stick got a guy who's just like, look, plug and play. You've got a crazy backcourt that can do everything you need them to do for you. All we need is someone to hit shots, play defense, and then those plug-and-play bigs, like what Jared Allen brings, you can find in a guy for $5, 7000000 million, not as good or as efficiently as Jared Allen does it, but he'll do it enough so that you can spend that money on a more valuable scoring defending position. I definitely think that that's going to be a big discussion this offseason because mm-hmm. I think a lot of it comes down to what the, the Cavaliers think Jared Allen's ceiling is. Exactly. Um, and what kind of bag he's being offered. Like, if he's getting anything under $15 million a year, I think you just have to sign that, no question. Mm-hmm. If he's getting a max, I do think that there is a discussion, but I think that you should keep him, in yeah, my when opinion. It, when it gets into the $20 million range for Jared Allen, that's when it gets a little bit questionable for me because yeah. it's like, well. But he has, he has the potential to guard on the outside a little bit. He's, he struggled a bit, but he was built with the ability to do it when he was drafted. I, he's not amazing at it, but he is a really good defensive anchor still. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think that he's someone that would be worth keeping along. That's a whole – that's an off-season discussion. Yeah, and I do and agree. Before we move on – sorry, unless you, you – got, you got something else you want to put out there? No, I was just going to say I do agree that the sex line of Coral Allen foursome would be a great trio – great foursome to bring into the playoffs. But like I said, if they can try to save that money and have inklings of being able to get someone else in the year after that – they might want to sit on their money and try to Kobe Altman can make some more decisions. Like you'll have, you'll have assets, you'll have pieces and you'll have cap space. So they can really make something happen in Cleveland. And they've done some good, a great job drafting too. Mm-hmm. While we're still here on the Cavs, I want to quickly talk about the Kevin Porter Jr. thing. Yeah. Not too deep. Cause I think they handled it really, really well. We talked mm-hmm. about it a little bit on the, on the last football podcast. I think they handled this very, very well. They gave up Kevin Porter Jr. basically for free, a top 55 protected second-round pick, which, I mean, part of me says if they kept it around and waited, maybe they would have gotten more. I don't really know. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not an insider like that. Maybe the entire league is very low on Colin Sexton. I just want to say, major props to Kobe Altman. Mm -hmm. Major props to Kobe Altman on this move. More than anything, 
more than anything, the fact of the matter is they're trying to build something amazing in Cleveland. They're doing a, an amazing job. They're doing mm-hmm. a great job building something in Cleveland. They're not going to let someone that hasn't earned it yet come and mess with it. That's impressive. That's what good organizations do. And, I mean, we'd love to see it. we love to see them sitting there and say, no, you're not a fit. If you're mm-hmm. going to throw fits and throw food and do this and do that, you don't fit. You're not what we're trying to do. We're the Cleveland Cavaliers. We take ourselves seriously. Mm-hmm. We have give, to because no one else does. Hey, hey, <laughs> give it, bro, to tell the Brooklyn Nets to take them seriously. Come on. Yeah. Look, the Cleveland Cavaliers are – they're building something great, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I love it. Yeah. I love what they're doing there. I'm, I'm so excited to see it continue. But like, to, to give up the asset – because Kevin Porter Jr. is someone who has potential. Mm-hmm. A weaker org would try and fix it more. A weaker org would sacrifice to try and get him playing because of the potential that he has. Because he has the potential to be, I mean, what, one of the three best players in that draft class, I'd say. Maybe four. There's a, there a chance that he could be better than – I mean, he has the physical tools to be the best player in that draft class, if we're going to be completely honest. right? Yeah, here. he's got the size and the speed and the Size, strength, speed, agility, agility, scoring instincts. He can yeah. do everything. Will he reach that? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But they sat there and they said, we don't think he's going to reach that. We don't want to deal with this headache. And we have Colin Sexton, who is a lot better than him. We have Darius Garland, who's a lot better than him. We have Larry Nance and Chetty Osmond, who work so hard. We have all these guys who are working their butts off to be here and do their best. Andre Drummond is on a revenge tour right now. This team has a thing going on. They're mm-hmm. all working their butts off. And the Cavs are not going to let someone come in and mess that up. That is so impressive to me. Yeah. That is and- so impressive to me. And luckily for them, I mean, they did – maybe that Isaac Okoro pick was because they had a sense that KPJ wasn't going to be coming back to the team, so they wanted to fill that spot. But, but Isaac Okoro is, like, top 10 in the league in minutes this year. He's been playing – when he does play, because he has had some injury issues already, but when he plays, he plays, like, 40 minutes a night, and he brings you good defense for 40 minutes a night. He's, which is- he's even hitting his threes now. Since January 1st, he's been shooting above 36% from three last time I checked. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a sh- – he's – he looks like he could be a good 3 and D player at, yeah. at very worst. But I think he could be more than that. I think he could be a serious defensive, like, stalwart, like a yeah. Lou, Lou Dort type, you know? Mm-hmm. And so for, for Kevin Porter Jr. to come in and made the scene that he made after you look at a team that's already filled your spot pretty much with a young guy who clearly wants it more than you do right now. It's just like, look, you get rid of him for a second-round pick. You give him a chance to go change his scenery – whole different place. You move them all the way down to Houston. It's north to south. It's You go to the Western Conference. You get a whole chance to change your entire game and your path of your career right now. And he also unlikely to ever affect the Cavs ever again if he doesn't become an NBA player. You know, like it's a second-round pick, top 55. It's just somebody take him off our hands. We don't want him. Houston can't afford to not have NBA players on their roster. So they'll take anyone they can get. And – it's great look for them. They get more minutes for Shetty Oshman, more minutes for Larry Nance and Okoro and just guys that are, are want to play, want to be there and build towards the Cavs. Just like, we're here to win games and play basketball. And if you're not here to do that, you're not in Cleveland anymore. It's a big nod of confidence to all those guys to be like, look, mm-hmm. like, we're not going to let him interfere with what you guys have been doing. You guys have been doing something great and we're going to reward that. Yeah. It's like, okay. don't I- mm-hmm. Sorry. I'm ready to move on. Go, go, go. 
we, we, we said the word John Morant, I think, three <laughs> times, twice at least. So now we're obligated to either speak about the Memphis Grizzlies or the New Orleans Pelicans. Mm-hmm. The Grizzlies haven't played in four days. We're going to talk about the Pelicans. Um, they have the 23rd lowest defensive rating in the league. Mm-hmm. And the biggest culprit of that is their franchise cornerstone, Zion Williamson. Zion Williamson cannot defend a fly. He has been an outstanding offensive player. But people always ask me why I seem so not high on him. This is why. He's not a rim protector. He can't switch. He's not even an outstanding man-to-man defender. Mm -hmm. So he is not elite at anything on defense. I was told Zion Williamson was supposed to have the tools to grow into a Draymond Green type of defender. But he looks worse than Gerald Green. (laughs) My issue with Zion is what kind of power forward can't defend anyone? And how are you supposed to play as a small ball five when you can't Mm -hmm. defend anyone? Zion is good. But that's not generational talent in my book. That's not Anthony Davis. That's not Draymond Green. That's not someone who, uh, whose talent is going to define a generation. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. The way the NBA has been forcing us to see the Pelicans again and again as they lose again and again is nothing short of disrespectful to all the other young players in the league, especially John Morant, who has been better than Zion. And his team actually wins. The, mm-hmm. the, currently, as we're speaking, the Pelicans are 14th in the West. They're doing worse than the Sacramento Kings. They are one game back from the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Minnesota Timberwolves who beat them in their last game. Mm-hmm. No, the Pels have some serious problems right now. And for, for me, I don't want to really scapegoat anyone, but we talked about it this offseason with a lot of the moves they made. And we had said, like, They've assembled a a roster here that clearly has talented players, clearly has NBA guys, but the fit didn't seem obvious, and it doesn't seem like Stan Van Gundy has found some elaborate, genius way of making all these players work together. Looking at this team right now, Eric Bledsoe and Stephen Adams have no business here. Like, they just don't belong on this Pelicans roster. They both should be on teams either competing to win championships or just not on a team where they're trying to go run up and run up and down the floor a lot, get the young guys the ball, let them get shots up. Because Eric Bledsoe, you shoot him 40% from three. It's his best three-point shooting season of his career right now. But it's just not – him and Lonzo is not a backcourt that's going to win you games in the NBA nowadays. Did you know Steven Adams is the highest-paid big in the NBA right now? Per season? Per season. No way. He's making 29.75. Carl Anthony Towns makes 29.465, so it's not by a lot. What's Joel at? I could Google that right now, but it's less. That's fair. Because of a, it's because he had a, a huge he trade the kicker. Extension. Yeah. Okay. He had a huge trade kicker. I think he's at 29.54 right now. Yep, Joel's mm. at 29.54. Uh, I mean, t- next season, Rudy Gobert's extension kicks in. Mm-hmm. He will be the highest paid big in the league. But right now... Rudy Steven Adams makes more than everybody in the league. And they signed him before he played a game to a two-year $35 million extension. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. I, I, I Look, 
I want to sit here. I, I, I've loved, I love when a team has holes and I can come in and act like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. I know how to fix it. Because in 2013, I did that. I said that with the Warriors for my little brother, and I've never gone over that high hours. I said, start Harrison Barnes, start Draymond Green, and they'll win a championship. And then they did, and they won a championship. Fine. Steve Kerr also put in the best offensive system in basketball all the time, but whatever, that doesn't matter. I was right. Mm-hmm. I was like 13. I was John so called it first, though. I called it first. <laughs> Hire me. Um, I, I didn't have a podcast back then. I have no evidence. I'm telling you this like there's proof. There's no proof. Um, so I love when there's a team with holes so I can come in and say, this is how I would fix it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to fix these Pelicans. Because uh, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what they want to be doing. Mm-hmm. Are they competing? They brought in Eric Bledsoe and Steven Adams. Or are they just bringing in smart vents to mentor their young players? Are they tanking? They're four and ten. They're the worst team in the West. <laughs> Second worst team in the West. Second worst team in the West. I, I, I have no idea. Yeah. The only thing I actually know is the Pelicans are all about Zion, mm-hmm. which I agree is the right move. But they're going about it the wrong way. <laughs> Marketing-wise, they're all about Zion. On the floor, it does not seem that way. <laughs> Even, no, even on the floor, it seems that way. But it seems like instead of being all about Zion winning championships, they're all mm-hmm. about Zion winning marketing. Yeah. How do we – they're playing a brand of basketball that's making Zion incredibly marketable that might get him an all-star nod, even though I think he's the least deserving player that's going to get votes. Like, oh, he'll Brandon, Ingram, Brandon Ingram is flat out better than Zion right now. Mm-hmm. And if one person's going to make it, it's going to be it's going to be Zion. Like if we're being obvious, but it should be Brandon Ingram. It should be yeah. Brandon Ingram is a player that you'd want on a championship team. He's a three level scorer. Mm-hmm. Zion Williamson is is a one one spot scorer, and he puts up thirty at it. Like yes, that's great. But when you look at the other players that do that, you're looking at Giannis Antetokounmpo, and I mean to a lesser extent Ben Simmons, guys that only score down low. Mm-hmm. Both of those guys are elite defenders. Zion is not. If you want to make Zion a championship-level player, you have to start making him defend. Yeah. You, you, you have to. It's fun to watch Zion have 30. But at the end of the day, if the Pelicans mm. won a championship, they need a switchy hybrid post defender. That was what Zion was supposed to be. Yeah. If he never becomes this player, this Pelicans team will not win a championship. Mm-hmm. Not only that... Zion Williamson will never win a championship. The Pelicans team, they're, they're not going to make the finals. They're not going to win a championship. I don't even think they'll win a conference finals game unless Zion can make that jump as a defender. You can't have him not being able to defend anyone, Brandon Ingram not being able to defend anyone, and no one that can actually defend anyone at a high level. Yes, Eric Bledsoe mm-hmm. gets under people's skins. Yes, Steven Adams is a good rim protector. Who do you have that plays good man-to-man defense on, like, an actual scorer? Lonzo can guard smaller guards. He's not even doing that very well this year, <laughs> let's be honest. Yeah. Lonzo has flat-out struggled because mm-hmm. they're, they're, not, they're not letting Lonzo be Lonzo. Be, mm-hmm. and, but if they played Zion like a hybrid post player and let, let Lonzo get the ball more, I think it would bring benefits to both of them. Yeah. Lonzo has struggled because he doesn't get to hold the ball anymore. Mm-hmm. Eric Bledsoe's holding the ball. Brandon Ingram's holding the ball. Zion's holding the ball. Lonzo is a fourth option. Lonzo is not good as a fourth option. 
He's not a spot-up shooter. He needs the ball in his hands. He needs the ball in his hands, which is – it's a Rondo issue. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We talked about this issue a lot with Ray John Rondo before this Lakers championship with a lot of people have forgotten about was there was the issue of who wants to play? Who wants to play Rondo when you need to have the ball in his hands all game? And guess what? Rondo eventually showed that there was a spot for him on a team like the Lakers that was cool with letting him be the first option for the bench, with letting him run the offense, with Anthony Davis doing more hybrid posty stuff still. Mm-hmm. It, there, there's a place for that in the league. It's not in New Orleans. It's not in New Orleans. It's not in New Orleans. No, and I agree. Zion has really struggled to defend this year. His lateral movement doesn't look nearly as good as it did when he was at Duke, and I don't know if that's a virtue of just college kids not being fast enough or strong enough to get by him, or if he's legitimately injured himself because he had that knee problem at the beginning of his rookie year. He has looked a little out of shape here and there. Like, he doesn't look as ripped or as in shape as he was when he was in college. He looks a little bit a little bit bigger, a little bit rounder, and his ability to stay in front of people is shown to be worn off a lot in the NBA so far. And the NBA level is not somewhere where you can allow someone to just blow right by you and think because you can jump in the air, you're going to get a recovery block. That doesn't work anymore, Zion. That's not how this. It's not how it works. These didn't guys Jane, work. didn't Jaden McDaniels just get him? Or not even Jaden McDaniels got him on one of those yesterday. Kind of, he blew by um, someone mm-hmm. on the Timberwolves, and then Jaden McDaniels just swatted that into the front row. Yeah. And it, it'll happen. Like, he'll get them. And Zion is so good that he'll get those blocks and that will be on House of Highlights and it'll be on Bleacher Report and it, it'll that get a million views, but they'll also lose by 13 in that game and he'll will shoot, like, four for ten from the line. And that's another big problem that I found with this team and this roster so far is that we talked about Lonzo needing the ball in his hands and what it leads to is just a faster team because if they're not able to defend anyone – guess what? You're going to have to adopt the Brooklyn Nets strategy of we need to score more points than the other team then. And right now they're 25th in the league in pace and 28th in three-point attempts and three-point percentage. This is not a team that can afford to be moving so slowly or making no shots because they get no stops. This is completely contrary to how you intend to play basketball. And the cherry on top of this incredibly dysfunctional cake is that they're getting to the free throw line well, shooting fifth most in the league. But as a team, they make 72% of free throws, good for 26th in the NBA. Wow, it's almost like when you take the Lakers' horrible free throw shooting core and put it on your team, you're going to keep shooting bad free throws. (laughs) Exactly. And I believe that Zion still has the ability to be dominant in this league, but I'm not sure it's under a Stan Van, Go- Stan Van Gundy head coach team or this Pelicans organization. I, 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 there's a chance that it might never come because of this, mm-hmm. because he's, because they're letting him be comfortable. If, if progress doesn't come when you're comfortable. Yeah. Progress never comes to those that are comfortable. You got to get out of your comfort zone. You got to get out of your comfort zone. Zion is comfortably chilling under the basket guarding someone weak on defense, not sprinting too hard on defense, doing whatever he wants on offense down low. And they're losing. <laughs> Push the but boundaries. Try to guard LeBron. Try to, try to guard AD. Try to guard a big. Try to guard a Like a DeAndre Eaton does. Like DeAndre Eaton yeah. does. Look, DeAndre Eaton isn't guarding guards yet. DeAndre Eaton hasn't gar- gone all the way to guarding all five positions yet. He's not there yet. Last year, he guarded Giannis, LeBron, and I think Luka. Mm-hmm. He's, working. <laughs> He's working. He's working. He, yeah. he is working so hard 
at adding that to his game. You want to know why? Because he knows he's going to win him a championship one day. Because mm-hmm. he knows that it's because he knows that when contract extension time comes, he's worth the max, and he's going to get the max. And everyone's going to look at him and say he's worth the max. He's going to get the max. And we're going to get a championship out of him. Look mm-hmm. at Bam Adebayo, who did the same thing and got to the finals. Yeah, Martin. And at, at this point in their careers, Bam Adebayo handles the ball way more than I see Zion Williamson do. And Zion came out of college being touted as one of those guys who give him the ball, let him take it in transition. He'll make the right pass. He'll make the right cuts. He'll make the right plays with the ball in his hands. He's good at that. Like he ran that well at Duke. And now in the Pelicans organization, it's just Eric Bledsoe slowly it's, bring up the ball. Like it's, it doesn't work. I, I got to say, because you, you mentioned his time. I, got, I have a hot mm. take. I have – a hot take. Boy, do I have a hot take for you. Um, Let me make sure I got my water. You ready? Drink up, man. Everyone at home, hold on to your hats. Again! Feeling spicy this episode. Woo! With RJ Barrett playing so well this season and showing flashes of being a true three-level scorer, facilitator, offense initiator, and defensive lockdown type player. He's not that. He's not that right now. Don't start yelling at me yet. Let me finish. Let me finish. He's not there yet. He's shown flashes of being this elite player that just, I mean, if he becomes that, like, Mm -hmm. whoa. Yeah, Maple Mamba. Whoa. (laughs) And John Morant being John Morant. Can't say enough about him. Look, I'm not saying I would, but there is an argument that if marketability – Mm-hmm. Did not matter at all in the draft. Zion would go third in a redraft right now. Yeah, I, I mean. I, I, I hope, I hope that Zion plays well enough to change that to definitively go second mm-hmm. or definitively go first. I think there's no argument that he's been better than John Morant at all. The way his career has gone so far, he's not yeah. been healthy. He doesn't mm-hmm. play defense. He can't hit any shots. He, he doesn't jump as high as he did at Duke or in high school. All kinds of stuff. And R.J. Barrett, I mean, I already said it. He, he's shown flashes of just being, of being a generational player, actually, funny enough. Yeah. Of being a generation-defining player in New York. Right? And- in the he Mecca. can play good defense. He can score every like RJ might be the better player right now for winning basketball. RJ might be the better player right now. And if Zion never gets that defense and RJ actually hits that, RJ might be the better player in the end of the day. I'm just saying, I'm not saying it's over mm-hmm. on Zion. I'm not saying he's a bust yet. I'm not saying he's a bust at all. But I'm saying there's a discussion to be had. Mm -hmm. R.J. Barrett has had a better career so far and has shown flashes that it's going to continue to be better for him than Zion. No, I mean, I think we're getting a lot on Zion's case defensively too. A lot of it for me will have to do with the coaching and the way their team is run right now. I think he really needs to be in a run and gun system. The way 25th and pace is not a team that has Zion Williamson on their team. That's not how you want to run that. You need to be top 10 when you have a guy who's just so dominant at flying but, around the floor. Like he's, but, but is he still that dominant at flying around the floor is the thing? 
I don't know because I can't see it because they don't run the ball anymore. I, I'm worried <laughs> about his knees. I've heard, I've heard injury. I've heard that he's mm-hmm. dealing with a lot of pain. They had to rework his entire running mechanics when he showed up. They're, they're, they're clearly worried about him. No, it's true. I, mean, I don't know that it's – I don't know that he still is that kind of player, that he still is able to run that much. And maybe he is. You know, we just don't see it, but I, I'm not seeing it in games. Yeah. I'm not seeing it in games, mm-hmm. and that's what he was built to be. This entire team has been built to be around Zion. Why would they – not play to his strengths on purpose yeah he's on national tv enough that we should have seen a couple zion posters full court just run half court like where is a half court lob i don't think i've seen lonzo throw a half court lob to zion the entire year and i saw like four in the summer league when they first played with one another you know like i, I mean Z- lonzo never has the ball exactly zion, then, zion i don't he's not jumping as high man he's mm-hmm. not jumping as high and then a last fun fact I wanted to mention about Zion, because you had brought up his shooting. I went to look, and I think it was that first game of his NBA career, Zion made four threes, right? He didn't make another one the, the, the year, if I'm right. No, he made a couple more that season, but he has yet to make four more threes since that game. Wow. Made two, he made two in that season, one so far this year. He has seven on his career. He made four in his first game. That's worse than I thought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is worse than I thought. Oh, my God. I, I knew it was bad. I never knew it was like this. <laughs> All right. It's, it's gotten a little bit disappointing for them over there in uh, New Orleans, I think. All right. Unless you have another Zion thing to make me cry. Because <laughs> no, no, no. I do love Zion. putting it out there. I'm not, I'm yeah. not a hater. I'm, I'm not a hater. Let's have another Zion thing or a Pelicans thing. I think we're good to move on to the next team. Yeah, let's get it going. This team has set the model for squandering Mm -hmm. an incredibly offensive, talented big man that was supposed to be a lockdown defender coming out of college. This team also just beat the New Orleans Pelicans in their last game. It's the Minnesota Timberwolves. Minnesota. Minnesota. Oh, man. Well, there there was some Joe Biden (laughs) meme about it. (laughs) <laughs> there's some joe biden meme about it it was joe it was joe biden who's the worst team in the nba and then you have joe biden yelling minnesota <laughs> oh man if, if if i knew how to edit a clip into the start of a of, a, of an episode i would have that be the start of this episode before the season ended before the season began this year we said that the minnesota timberwolves were in the worst position of any team this season mm-hmm now, about a quarter of the way into the season, it is very, very clear that the Minnesota Timberwolves are in the worst position of any team in the NBA. Their coach is probably the third or fourth worst coach in the NBA right now. Mm-hmm. Of the 17 players on the roster, all but four have started at least three games. Mm-hmm. That's bad. That's <laughs> of all the players, <laughs> of all the players who haven't had any starts on the Minnesota Timberwolves roster. Mm-hmm. One of them is the number one overall pick, Anthony Edwards. To add to this, disgraceful. Anthony Edwards has been incredibly disappointing. His shooting is non-existent, and as is his defense on non-highlight real plays. Now, I'm not calling him a bust yet, but you already have D'Angelo Russell to not play defense and have an inconsistent jump shot, so... Also, the ceiling of that kind of player in the modern NBA who continues to possess those two traits of weak defense, weak shooting. Mm-hmm. It's not, not a very high ceiling. 
not a very high ceiling in terms of generating wins. Mm-hmm. Last time I checked, he's shot around 50 pull-up jumpers and has hit less than 10. That's worse than 20% shooting on pull-ups. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> that's just bad. <laughs> the Timberwolves have so many average guards and just no forwards at all. Cat mm-hmm. has only played four games this season between injuries and now COVID. Get well soon, Cat. Mm-hmm. So I guess we're just going to say that this season's a total wash. You know, start looking to the future. Like, let's look what's in the future. Well, their first round this year, pick this year, is owed to the Warriors if it's outside the top three. I thought it was six, but I've heard three going around. Yeah, it's top three protected. Which means they, I mean, they might keep it. It looks like they're going to be having some good <laughs> odds in the lottery. Let's be real. With hey, the flat lottery odds, there's a yeah. chance that it's not. There's Easy. a chance that that falls three picks to number four. There's a chance they have the worst record in the league and get the fourth overall pick, and then they don't keep their pick. And, and then the Warriors can then add, like, Brandon Boston or someone. I, I don't know. Oh, I hope it's not B.J. Boston. He's, he looked good last game, but we'll, hey. we'll talk about that later. I, I, I don't want to get into B.J. Boston yet. I want to hey. see a little more from that guy. Look, like – let this be a warning to top four protect your picks. So if you have the worst rec- pick in, record in the league, you're guaranteed to keep your pick. Houston did that. Houston traded a pick and has a top four protected. Yeah. Um, With the new odds, it has to be done nowadays. It has to be because you could easily fall three spots. Like, mm-hmm. Now what about cap space? Maybe they could add someone in free agency? Oh, wait. They have no cap space because they're paying – all their guards over $65 million. And then they still have cat on a max contract too, for a total mm-hmm. of almost a hundred million dollars committed to about five players. I do not envy Minnesota Timberwolves fans at all, man. Oh man. Chaz, I need you to say something because this show is supposed to be PG 13. And I just, <laughs> if I keep going, if I, if I keep going, man, I, I need the little, yeah. I've been keeping my cool. <laughs> let's keep my cool look Timberwolves fans uh, I'm sorry I disrespected you a few episodes ago when I said I haven't watched Timberwolves basketball I've watched a little bit more since then and you and, regret it and, uh, <laughs> it's not great I think we all know that at any fan of this Timberwolves team you shouldn't just be there thinking your team's been unlucky this year or your team could put it together if all your guys were healthy because the fact of the matter is the team okay. is just not good enough right now that being said, they do have a couple guys, few guys on the roster that I actually like that I think should be getting more minutes. The first one that I think really needs to be featured. Wait, can I guess? Go. Can I, can I guess? Yeah. Josh Koji. Josh Koji's on my list, but he's not the first one I wanted to talk about. <laughs> I felt really confident. One, first one I wanted to talk about is actually Jared Vanderbilt. Oh, that's interesting. I wouldn't have guessed that from you. I, exactly. I, like, I like Vanderbilt. I wouldn't have guessed that from you. I think Jared Vanderbilt's been a really good glue format for this team. And I think a lot of the things that we've talked about, Cat lacking on the defensive end, Jared Vanderbilt can bring the hybrid post defensive to that team. He is pretty switchy. He's got length to guard inside and he can get on the outside. And he does a lot for them, just moving the ball, getting rebounds, a lot of the dirty work for this team. And he just deserves to be featured in the starting lineup. Like this. Minnesota, you're not playing for anything at this point. There's no reason to be starting Juancho Hernan Gomez next to Carl Anthony Towns. It's not like you're Except you're they're paying them both. <laughs> it's not like your spacing is what's keeping your team uh, above water. You're currently second to last in the league at the Detroit Pistons or in such a dumpster fire right now. 
But Jared Vanderbilt, I think, is one of the young guys on this team that needs to be featured more often. Once Cat comes back healthily, hopefully, you see those two guys together, I think they'll be able to actually do a lot for their front court and be a good inside-out pairing so that Cat can play a little bit more outside, can guard guys he doesn't really – won't get exploited against as much and let Jared Vanderbilt bang with the bigger guys because it doesn't – doesn't really matter if he gets beat at this point. You're going to lose anyway. Yeah. At least let him get some experience guarding big guys, and hopefully it'll bring it'll bring fruits to the to the future for you, and you can get something a little bit better out of him. That being said, I do honestly like their wing duo of Malik Beasley and Josh Okoge. You mentioned him before. There are two of my favorite wings right now in the NBA. Like I, I put them on the same level as like. Andrew Wiggins, Kelly Oubre, or Rocco and DJJ for the Blazers right now. Like What they're bringing to this team is a lot of defense, a lot of scoring on the wings from Malik Beasley. He can shoot the ball pretty well, space for them. And I think like that starting five of D'Lo, Beasley, Akogi, Vanderbilt, and Cat could honestly cause problems for a lot of team. It provides you with – you got three guys out there that can shoot the ball nicely. You got two, three good scorers, and you have defenders. So this is a team that – they have a lot of problems, and it's not going to be fixed anytime soon for Minnesota. But those three guys, Akogi, Vanderbilt, or Akogi, Vanderbilt, Beasley, and then Nas Reed is my last man who needs minutes you off the Nas bench. Reed. Big fell out of LSU. I understand Cat is your big man, and he's going to get a lot of minutes. But Nas Reed can provide you like Chris Boucher-type minutes off the bench. He can shoot the ball. He's a big man. He can defend. He can block shots. And – as far as coaching goes on this team, I think that's the major problem right now. I don't know what I'm pretty. It's Ryan Saunders now. It's, it's yeah. Flip, it's the it's, it's, flip yeah. son. Rest in peace. But you're not as good as your dad. You got to get out of here, buddy. This isn't dad wasn't very good either. Like, there's no reason that the number one overall pick in Anthony Edwards has no starts on a team with 13 different guys have started when guys have gone on guys have gone undrafted in this class and started. Jay Shantay has been a starter. Emmanuel quickly, late second round pick, has been starting for the Knicks. Like, and, and, and it's not even like this team is winning. Like for the Charlotte Hornets, like I get why you're bringing Lamelo off the bench for one. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you've got Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier, and you're winning basketball games. Yeah, you're not winning games, Minnesota. Literally. You're not winning. Mm-hmm. Like, don't just give him the keys and let him run the car because uh, his game isn't refined enough for that yet. But I just. How- Play him. Just play him. Play What's him. Gonna happen? What's going to happen if you play him? You're going to lose? Oh, wait. You're already losing. At least let him try to develop, learn the NBA at least, game. At least let him win rookie of the year. It'll be <laughs> for good real. for your franchise. Look, my piece on the Wolves. Mm-hmm. What can they do? It's time to tear it down. Yeah. Look, people are still high on Cat. I am not. I'm, I, I, I'm sorry, Cat. I'm not. I think he's just like, I'm not doing this right now. See if someone bites for a cat trade. Mm-hmm. See if someone can bite on a D-Lo trade. Try trading Beasley and Rubio. Just see if you can trade one yeah. of them. Makes, clear some contracts. Make some space. Jarrett Culver was the sixth overall pick, and Anthony Edwards was number one. Mm-hmm. They need to be involved. Yeah. There's no road to really being a playoff team before Cat's pre-agency begins. Mm-hmm. Hard, Harden just demanded a trade two years left on his deal. Look, Cat's only has three years after this season, so you got this season and next season before that point. Mm-hmm. D'Lo has three years, including this season, so you have two after this. So next year would be his point. Mm-hmm. Look, 
you got to get rid of Cat before he starts getting angry. Because you can get insane value for him. Someone is gonna bite. Someone is oh, gonna, yeah. someone is gonna give way too much for Cat, and then get really angry when they keep getting eliminated by like, Bam Adebayo and Joel Embiid, like or or Anthony Davis or Rudy Gobert or all these mm-hmm. guys. Someone's gonna get really angry about that. Get rid of him before he start before Cat starts getting angry and sinking his value. You can't have two top six picks on their rookie deals barely playing, barely getting the ball in their hand, barely getting the chance to build. Mm-hmm. While two former top two picks have less than three, have like are running out of years on their deal and like are supposed to be competing. Mm-hmm. You're running two different timelines, man. Pick yeah. one and stick to it. And you don't have the assets to pick Cat and D'Lo, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that you can flip these picks around, these guys around to build a team around them that can win. You're running yeah. two different timelines. For the Timberwolves, all I got to say is free up my man, Jared V. Free up Ant Edwards. Free up Nas Reed. Just do better, Timberwolves. Like, please, the league is better with 30 competitive, exciting teams. You need, like, a whole front office overhaul right now is what needs to happen. You need contracts cleared, picks changed, trades made. Like, guys need to be rebranded. Maybe it's not the Timberwolves anymore. Maybe it's the Minnesota, uh, I don't know. They are a selling team, apparently. But the, the Golden the, Gophers is the college team, but I something else like the the, uh, the owner, the current owner, reportedly won't sell to anyone outside of Minnesota. I would hate to see Minnesota moved. I hate yeah. to see. I hate seeing teams relocated. It's always so sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like this team is not in a good impossible. position. This team is yeah. not in a good position at all. Like on the court, off the court, anywhere. It's really I I pity Timberwolves yeah. fans. Seattle's not that far away either. Yeah. All right. I think this is the last team I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Only because I got a review. After ten games, the Raptors were two and eight, and since then they are five and one. What did I tell you? You said wait ten games. Ten games, baby. <laughs> Chaz, you made us talk about them at nine when they were two and seven, and you said it all doomy gloomy. All doomy gloomy. But now they're seven and nine, which is good for the nine seed in the East. They just beat the Pacers with Pascal Siakam and Kyle Lowry, without Pascal Siakam and Kyle Lowry. It's coming together for the boys. I mean, the Pacers were missing their own set of guys, but it's they have put they together had a good one streak. They have put together and a good streak. Look, now why is it coming together? There's tons of reasons. Aaron Baines remembered how to play basketball. I think everyone got acquainted to Tampa. Nurses continued to get the most out of guys like Chris Boucher on offense and on defense. Mm-hmm. DeAndre Bembry is sort of coming into his own, getting all comfy. Pascal Siakam remembered how to play basketball too, though he still is our resident Beyblade master. More than anything, I think it's just regressing or more progressing to the mean. Mm-hmm. The Raptors are not as bad as they started this season. And now they're getting a good, a good group. They're getting wins again. I don't think that they're going to go five and one. That's like what? That's like, I don't want to do the math right now. They're not going to keep winning five and one games for the rest of the season. Yeah, they're not going to win 80% of their games. Thank you. <laughs> That's not 80. It's less. It's a little bit less. It's like 76. 72, yeah. 76, something like that. But they're not going to win around 75%. But – they're going to win more. They're mm-hmm. already back in the play-in hunt. They're going to stay in that, if not find an out-large bid. It's beautiful. I love it. It's great to see. 
I know everyone was out on the Raptors way too early. I called it. I'm happy about that. I'm excited to see these boys in another playoff series this year, I hope. I hope they keep playing well. And, man, it's – the NBA is better with uh, with the Tampa Bay Raptors. I mean, Toronto Raptors. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for this clip for when Cleveland beats them in a play, play-in series to knock them out of the playoffs. I wouldn't even be mad. I wouldn't. I, I, I would not. Does he call it sex? Nope. I'm telling you right now, Ivana better put this clip in too. Yeah. I wouldn't be mad. I'm counting the 10 seed as playoffs. In my opinion, mm-hmm. getting bumped in the 10, if you're top 10, you made the playoffs. Even if you get bumped in the play-in, I'm calling that right now. You had to play to get in. That's a playoffs, in my opinion. Yeah. And like to be fair to the Raptors, they have put it together. And it really has been on the backs of actual Raptor basketball. Like, they're playing defense, and they're getting stops and getting out in transition, and Norm Powell has also started to really score the ball a lot more effectively and consistently for them. And it's helped them win a lot of games. I think Chris Boucher has been so, so, so good for them. Amazing. I was looking through so many just advanced stats before to look at how Colin Sexton's season was, and everywhere I looked, it was just Chris Boucher. Like, offensive win shares, defensive win shares, blocks plus minus. Any advanced metric you could look for, Chris Boucher is, like, top 10 in the league right now. I'm not even joking. Like he's there's lists where I saw Chris Boucher in a top five with like Giannis, AD, Kawhi, and Joel Embiid is the other four on that list with him. He's playing great for them, and Aaron Baines has turned it up because he's been starting every single game. And every time I check a Raptors box score or I watch the game, I never see Aaron Baines, and it's because he's been playing like six minutes, gets two rebounds, and that's his entire game. Like, he's gotten a few tips. Uh, what was the box? Where's the box score from Indiana? He played well against Indiana. Exactly. He's putting it together recently. He played well against, surprisingly played well against Indiana and Miles Turner, who's been like the most devastating big in the league to start the season, honestly, except for Joel Embiid. But defensively, he's blocking like five shots a game almost. So he's doing a lot for them. But yeah, the Raptors are turning together. I do think that they will be one of the better, not better teams in the East, but They'll they'll put it together. They'll put a little run there, but I don't think the Raptors are really looking to make anything happen this year. I, I hope that they can make the playoffs because Canada and Toronto is just a better place when the Raptors are winning. It's a better attitude and people are excited around here, But and it'll give us something to do in the summer to watch Raptor games outdoors. But look, I'll be watching any games outdoors no matter what, even if it's not the Raptors. But hopefully Tampa Bay Raptors – come off the back of the Super Bowl championship is going to be played in their city. <laughs> all the hype around them. They, they got a chance to really put something together and hopefully make a run here. Cause if they could stay healthy, they're obviously one of those teams that you never know. They could put together a quick 10, 12 games where they win 80% of those. And all of a sudden you're back up in a three, four seed in this league, this league. Cause you never know when one team is just going to lose half their starters to COVID and you're going to lose just four straight games. I mean, right now they're the nine. Mm-hmm. They're, 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 what is it? I think that's, uh, they're one game back on Cleveland for the six. Yeah, it's too early for the standings. They're two games back. They're two games back for the, for the four on Indiana. And Indiana Mm -hmm. has been struggling since they've traded Victor Oladipo. Yeah, they're losing pieces. They don't have, they didn't have a guy to fill in the role. Karis of the first still not on the floor. (laughs) And all they got was a second for it. (laughs) And now Uh, the moment yeah. that it showed up that he wasn't playing, that he had the kidney thing, I would have been like, I want a first or I'm keeping Vic. Yeah. Whatever. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have made the trade either way, but. <laughs> I agree. I wouldn't have made I would it have I, would, I think you can get better value for Victor Oladipo. And, I mean, Victor Oladipo has been tearing it up as a Houston Rocket, and the bases have pretty much fallen apart. Mm-hmm. Look, that's for another episode. I think that's this is it for today. 
Yeah. This has been Ball Talk. This was great, man. Chaz, great episode, I think. Thank yeah. you, everyone, for listening. I hope you all enjoyed it. Always a pleasure. Shout out to Procrastination Nation for the late episode. We wouldn't have had this one today unless I had just waited to do all my homework till Sunday night. <laughs> Take it easy, everybody. Hold it down. It's ball talk. It's ball talk, baby. 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 Baby.